After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. There were some connectivity issues on Janice's end, so there was a little bit of choppiness uh, in her audio. I did the best I could to edit out most of the gaps. I think I did a pretty good job, but just beware, there are a couple of moments where you know, there might be a little bit of challenge to understand what she's saying. I think it's mostly good, so I apologize for how choppy that was, but it's still too good not to share. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Confessions of Reformer. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest today. I have been following Janice for months now. I I think I just randomly came across her on TikTok and was very impressed with not just what she was saying, but the way she was saying it. So I've experienced her speaking to the deconstruction, the hypocrisy and evangelicalism, and then just being so intelligent and like intuitive and responding to a lot of layers and nuance within the things that come up there. There's just been such a, an excellent approach to confronting things that are hard to talk about because they're so blurry and like complex. Um, so I'm very excited to have Janice here. Janice's handle is God has not given. So Janice, do you want to say hello and just introduce yourself? to everyone just kind of tell them who you are and what you're doing in the world yeah so hello i am janice legata aka god is not given i was just telling mike we are from former rivals you know rival rival cults <laughs> so i was a hillsong hillsonger for 12 years i guess um, i was a bevel for 12 years whoa oh my goodness <laughs> left hillsong in 2017 joined another little church plant and was there for about a year and a half before things there self-destructed. I was uh, like an interim leader of the worship team there. And it had always, always been known that they were waiting to bring someone else in to actually do it. And when they, the people that they ended up bringing in basically uh, called these little one-on-one -on -one meetings and kind of cold the team of queer folk and then myself because being an ally and you know they basically wanted us to say hey this is do you do you agree with the bible or not and I was like well um if this is how you're going about it then no I don't agree <laughs> um and so yeah I was basically put on probation and then just ended up leaving the team and then leaving the church and then from there um something something about that whole thing just kind of broke in me and I was like oh like I think I think I've been in church long enough and I don't really need to hear some man's thought of the week about the Bible. So I'm just, I'm just not going to go to church anymore. Then the pandemic happened and found myself in, in the deconstruction area. And I was like, oh, this is what's been happening to me. Didn't really have language for it, but oh my goodness, here are all these other people. And it's, this is a thing. Um, and a lot of people have these same questions and queries and, and issues. I'm a writer. I'm a musician. Musical theater is is my love language. So putting putting songs and stories together, that's what I love to do anyway. And so that's just kind of how how everything works out in me and works out through me. Just kind of brought that flavor into deconstruction and and really try to try to just make space for for people to have questions and and know that that's fine and like you don't have to have it all figured out really wanting people to be able to reclaim or claim for the first time just their own their own sense of self 
and their own way of being in the world, whatever that looks like. That's me. Cool. Love it. Thank you. Okay. So I've got, I want to hear your story. I want to get more into like the journey and what happened and what was going on. But before we talk about that, I do want to ask you a question about what you did just share. Mm-hmm. Did you say that you went on probation when you were like the interim worship leader or like music director or whatever the title was because of your allyship to the queer community? That's why? Yeah. So I'm curious, obviously, as someone who's part of the queer community, like why in that context, what what compelled you to take that stand and like, quote unquote, maybe like, in essence, die on that hill, if you will? <laughs> yeah, I left Hillsong because of a lot of things. But ultimately, I was like, oh, as as a Black woman, I just got to a point where I was like, oh, this this is not healthy for me to be to be in a place like this. So then this other church plant that I joined, their whole thing was, you know, social justice and and Black Lives Matter and like justice, justice for souls and bodies, right? And caring about caring about people and their actual day-to-day lives. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is great. So we were getting it right as far as, you know, race and gender equality. Like they had, you know, women, women on staff and women speaking regularly. So it's like, oh, this is great. And then my best friend, the boy version of me, my, you know, I would say he's he's a soulmate. I met him in that church and we're doing stuff together. And he he had come out to me and I was like, oh, you know, great. And the church at that point, there were a few gay people on the team and the pastor's stance was kind of like, oh, like it's it's fine. Keep coming. You're welcome here. You're welcome to be on this team. He was, you know, co-leading the team with me. So like all of all of this is fine. But there's always that kind of, I don't know, underneath understanding, I guess, that that it's good, but we're all we're all living by this sexual sexual ethic right so it's fine you can be straight you can be gay whatever but nobody's acting on anything right so so we're good so we all we all have that um and then when these new people came in and their thing was like no here's here's what the word says and then as someone who had been over that team for a little while kind of it was kind of like a mama bear thing in me where I'm like well hang on what kind of lines are you drawing here because I know that there are queer people on this team so what what are you trying to do here and and what are you saying um and this idea that no we have to you have to agree like it's not even just enough that we're all we're all behaving right nobody's doing anything the queer people on this team have been very honest um like nobody's nobody's sneaking anything it's crazy how much things have just changed in the past few years but i think a lot of queer people have gone into church spaces knowing i'm probably not going to be welcome here or there's probably going to be stipulations. So let me be honest up front and kind of see see what it's like here. And so to be told, no, no, that's fine. Um, and then to be told, actually, it's not. Like, you, you have to agree on this. We have to agree. So now you're on probation until you can go and speak to, you know, the associate pastor and, you know, figure out whatever. I'm like, you can put me on probation all day long. I was raised to be homophobic my stance now I, I came to this and I'm not I'm not going back like this is something I thought about that I've that I've come to so I'm not going to change my mind on this so put me on probation do what you've got to do it's not going to last long because within 36 hours I was like oh actually just you just cut me out altogether yeah I was like oh no this isn't this isn't right and this is this is crazy 
you know, we're getting it, we can see it in in this arena and you can see how it's wrong for churches to have treated and leveled women like this and to have leveled non-white people, you know, like this. But then we get to this community and you're fine with like the same old toxicity, the same old leveling. And yeah, I was just done with it. I'm like, oh, no, no. I don't know. It didn't even feel like dying on a hill. Like it wasn't even a question. It was just like, oh no, this is, this is stupid, frankly. And <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like the original arrangement was potentially side B for the queer worship leaders. Yeah. And everything, everything, right. is always with this, this thought in mind, in the back of your mind that we can fix them. And they'll they'll change at some point, right? If we love them, love them enough, give them enough, just let them let them figure it out long enough, they'll come around. Yeah, and I think <laughs> we were all just done and tired of trying to make people come around. Like, no, you you come around. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. Thanks for sharing. That's wild. Thank you for your allyship. It's appreciated. So you spent 12 years at Hillsong. Were you also a worship leader in that environment or is that what drew you there? I'd love to just hear your, whatever you'd care to share about that journey. What was that like? Like, how did you get there? Why did you end up leaving? You know? Yeah. I grew up, was raised evangelical, always artistic. So always loved music. And the church that I grew up in was very, very old school, Pentecostal, charismatic, Starts at nine. That's all we know for sure. <laughs> what time it ends? Only, only the spirit knows. <laughs> so, so growing up there and being being part of like the little worship team there, um, there was a lot of worries about me, and not just me. I think any any anyone artistic, right? Like if you have a gift of music, the world's gonna come for you. The world's gonna want it. So you got to be really careful that you know this is for God and for the church only. Yeah, I was a really, really good kid. Very evangelical, very following the rules, trying to get into heaven, do all the right things, um, and very worried about myself, even though I'm doing nothing, doing nothing, but so just have this fear sown into me that, oh, I'm just so worldly, right? Because because I have this gift and this talent. So was trying to figure out how can I, how can I do music? How can I be a singer and still serve and, and love the Lord. And so enter Hillsong Music. We started using that in praise and worship. Something about it just really, really resonated. I was like, oh, oh, I like this. So after I graduated high school, spent a few years, I would go to college, get bored, go to work, get bored, go back to school. So like that was, that was kind of the rotation I was on. And at some point I went looking to see if Hillsong did any kind of conferences in the States, if they did anything. And at that time they weren't, but I ran across, oh, Hillsong College, like they, they have a college and I was like, oh, that's in Australia. So no way. But like the idea just wouldn't, wouldn't leave me alone. And I was getting to the end of one of my work cycles where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this. So maybe, maybe I'll go back to school. And maybe, maybe I'll try this Hillsong College thing because music and God and they're the best doing it at that point. So that ended up being a thing. So from 2005 until 2009, I was in Australia at Hillsong College. Did, did three years in the college and then just a year of living there when my visa was up. Like, you gotta, you gotta get out of here. So I was like, ah, well, I have to go back to the States. I know I can't go back to California 
because if I'm in California and not at my old home church, that's going to be an issue. So I just need to be far enough away that like it's not it's not even feasible for me to be back there. So I had a friend that I met there who was from New York, went and visited New York. I was like, oh, I like that. So moved to New York in October 2009, uh, ended up just beating Hillsong, New York by a few months. I joined joined a little connect group that actually became the launch group for Hillsong, New York. So I was literally a day one. Um, and yeah, so it started in 2010, took off. I was there for all, all those early days. I went out for the praise and worship team, you know, the first little round of auditions, like a little little American Idol kind of setup, uh, didn't make the cut, but they just, God needed me to, to be a stage manager at that time. Cause that's, that's what they needed. Cause I had done that, done that as part of, you know, my college volunteering in Sydney. So I ended up running that team for the first couple of years being there for like the first two years, probably like every, every service, um, you know, as I was building my team, I just had to be there. So I was just someone that Carl Lynch just saw all the time. So he and I just had a little, I don't know, he would call it a friendship. It's whatever. So like, I just knew him from that and just being, being around him, being around in that backstage area, eventually ended up being put on the worship team. Definitely never, never a leader, just one of, one of the background singers. He did have a mic. So, you know, in the hierarchy, I was pretty close to the seat of power, but, but never, never all the way there. I ended up writing the connect group curriculum, the studies that they would use every week. I was writing those. I was writing like the monthly, hey church, email, you know, what's what's going on here. Um, I ended up ghostwriting sermons for one of the associate pastors. And then occasionally uh, if Carl needed to send out churchwide email, whatever, I ghost wrote a few of those. Who were like, oh, like you really, you you know, his voice. Um, so I'm really good at, yeah, just learning, learning kind of the patterns and idiosyncrasies of just people's, people's ways of speaking and, and whatever. So I can kind of mimic that. If people knew me, they probably knew me from, you know, seeing me on a Sunday on a platform, but I'd be like, oh, like you guys have no idea how much you're actually hearing my voice throughout this church, like how much I am speaking. And at the same time, how much I absolutely do not matter here and do not have a voice that was my that was my hillsong journey i was i was all up and through that place wow okay so did something happen was there like an event like a a point of no return that you were like oh i gotta get out of here was it like a slow bleed like what caused you to eventually choose to leave definitely a slow bleed looking at hillsong now especially right now like it's so clear, so many of the ways that it's toxic. You know, being there in the early days, there was there was never a time where there was like no problems. There were always, always issues. But for the first three years, I would say we we kind of overlooked a lot of things just just by saying, Oh, well, we're a new church. We're just a baby church. And this church did grow really fast. And so we're just like, we're just like a baby that hasn't found its feet yet has just grown way too fast. And so we've got, we got all this stuff to figure out. And then 
then we'll deal with, you know, this whole reserve seating situation or, you know, how it's only, oh, it's only men. It's only white men on the platform, even, even the worship team, right? Like, yeah, I'm here. I did audition once, but like, that's, that's not how I got here. And, you know, even being up here, it's very, very homogenous. There's a very certain, certain look. So like all these, all these little things that we're like, okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But for right now, the main thing is just that, man, look how, look how many people are coming and, and how many people are getting saved. Like, so, so that's the main thing. So we can't worry about all this other little stuff. So we just, things just kind of kept, kept building up. And then there was a point where we were having our midweek, midweek services and I remember they brought in just this new new pastor um, and he he had just was just fresh off the boat from Hillsong College had just just arrived and they you know threw him up there and he was emceeing the the midweek service and he was so bad he was just so bad at it and I was like okay if we've got room on the roster and they're just letting anyone get up here <laughs> You know, I remember emailing Carl with like all this fear and trepidation, but like I've got to do it. I've got to say something. And I'm trying to keep it as light, you know, and as funny and as quick as possible. But just being like, hey, you know, if we've got spaces on the roster, uh, maybe next time we could consider, you know, a woman or a person of color. I'm not gonna not both, like maybe one <laughs> one or the other. Maybe, maybe. And I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go over. I don't know. Um, so he emailed me back and he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I I love that. So let's let's all pray for God to send that person. I emailed him back like, oh, okay, great, thanks. Before you send the email, like, you know, you have your friends, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to send this email and get order. So then I emailed like, you know, my little peanut gallery. And I'm like, look at, look at this. Look what he said. So like... From there, we're already like, this, this is stupid. Like this, this is insulting. Let's pray for God to send. Cause you can look around here and there are so many women here. There are so many people of color who have been putting in this work from the beginning, but you don't see any of that, but okay. We're giving, we're giving you so much credit just for, just for being willing to have the conversation, right. For just, just hearing us out. So, okay. We've got a little bit of movement. He's, he's willing. So we'll keep waiting. Um, but it was, it was just, just that. And that was the beginning. So Carl and I started having these conversations. Time is marching on and white man after white man is coming on this platform. And like, these are not smart white men. These are not great speakers. These are not like, mm. these are just your friends or they just have, have this look, but like, it's, so it's not, it's not quality you're after. And, and you keep saying, it's not us. I'm just choosing who God is saying, right? This is God. God is doing this. So then it puts it back on me. So then I have to say, okay, I'm really bothered by this. One of us is wrong here. And it might be me. I don't understand why God would create like this wild array of humanity. And then every time, every time he wants a pastor, like he just reaches into this one, this one bucket. Like this is this is just God's type. Like this is this is what God is all about. I don't I don't know, but maybe wilder things have happened. I guess like who who can know who can know the mind of God? 
So now I've got to do some work and I've got to go study and and read and figure this out. That's a long process, but eventually got to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't believe this is God's will and that this is God doing this. So what does that mean for me now? And at that point, it was probably a year where it it literally was just my ego and my pride and just being like, look, it's not great, right? I'm probably never, never going to get on this platform, but also I might. And like, what if, what if next week is the breakthrough and I left, right? And I missed it because, because this is a test. I might be being tested here. So, ah, I got, I got to hang on. And then also it's not great, but I'm doing better than a lot of people. I have a reserved seat. Hillsong is famous. Hillsong NYC was famous for the lines around the building. I'd seen them. I'd heard about them. Had I ever stood in that line? No. I've got I've got Carl Linson's phone number. I'm I'm somebody here. I'm gonna leave that and go do what? Be a regular person at some <laughs> little regular church? What? So like having to having to deal with that. That was that was too honest. My God. I mean, I feel like, oh no, I think I had thoughts like that at Bethel, you know, thinking about leaving. Like <gasps> I am uncomfortable. Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, like I ha- I have to be honest and have to be like no, which is also like why I why I understand a lot of these pastors and a lot of this stuff. Like I get it. This shit is seductive. Like <laughs> and you're so close to it and it's comfortable. It's so comfortable. I could have just stayed there forever. I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I'm not back there. <laughs> right. So just got progressively more and more uncomfortable. When you start asking real questions about God and really trying to get to the heart of God, then it's going to affect it's going to affect your heart and it's going to okay, if I don't believe that God is in this, then I have to deal with the parts with the parts of me that God is not in either. So having to be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I am here because because it's comfortable and because of my pride and my ego and my position and my little bit of power. And yes, yes, I'm using it for good, right? I'm being a buffer and I'm taking care of the people, my connect group girls and the people on my team. I'm doing my best to be a good leader and I am taking care of people. But then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm also really helping the system because it it hurts, but maybe they need to see what this place is really like and what it's really about so that they can make an honest decision about whether or not they want to be here. I might have to remove myself from this equation. I don't remember if I was coming or going, but I was outside, outside in front, and there were some kids, kids playing. I like seeing these kids grow up. So the brother and sister, the biracial kids, the brother was like, like knocking his sister's hat off. And so I was like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't you know, you never, you never mess with a black woman's hair. And then the sister, the little girl, she said, no, not black, not black, I'm brown. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, they're so young and there's already that little bit of self-hate. And there was nothing at Hillsong that's like specifically doing that. So I was like, there's nothing at Hillsong that's like, fighting that's like not not doing that wow. and it was just like this this clear moment where I'm like oh like I fight so many things in the outside world all the time and nothing here is different like there's nothing here that that's combating that right. I was like oh this is not good it's not good for them if I had a kid I would not want to raise them in this environment 
And I was like, if this wouldn't be good for a child of mine that I don't have, then it can't be good for me. I got to go. Whoa, what a moment. That is crazy. Oh, yeah. that's so sad. Wow. Just like how subtle and like laced and, you know, smoky that is like, oh my gosh, that's wild. Thank you for sharing. My goodness, that is crazy. Hi, Mike here. I just want to make sure you know that I'm a coach and a consultant. I specifically work with people through their queer journey or their religious baggage. And there's a link below this episode if you want to work with me. All right, let's get back to the episode. Did you like, well, how did you leave? Did you like write a resignation letter? Did you talk to your leader? Like, what did that look like? So being there, like you see, you see people, lots of people filter out <laughs> over the years. Yeah. And most people just leave quietly. A lot of times you don't even notice. Like people are just gone. And, and it takes, it takes a while. And it could just be that I've been going to the 12 o'clock and they've been coming to the six o'clock. And so you just assume that for a while, but then you're like, oh no, oh no, so-and-so left. Or you'll have close friends and they'll be like, okay, no, I'm actually, I'm leaving. You know, we're all having conversations. So behind the scenes, we know why people are leaving and we know what's going on, but nobody's ever saying anything to the leadership. So then I was like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm not going to go. I mean, I'm going to go quietly, but I'm going to talk to Carl. Like I'm going to talk to him and I'm going to tell him why I'm leaving. And he would not, just would not meet with me. So like he kept trying to like, just provoke me to do this over text. And I'm like, no, I owe you that much. And you owe me that. Like, so let's just, let's just be adults and like sit down. And he just, he just wouldn't do it. It was Black History Month. And at the last minute, like on the last Sunday of Black History Month, he had asked me to do this like spoken word poem. So I had done that. And then it was like within the next two weeks where I was like, oh, I'm not coming anymore. And so I had left. And then a friend of mine, because it was Mother's Day, I know it was Mother's Day because I was like, oh, my friend's going to be speaking. And I know she's going to be speaking because it's Mother's Day and she's a woman. So I'll go on Mother's Day. Um, and at that point, like I hadn't, I hadn't been coming, but I hadn't really decided to say for sure that I'm leaving. And cause I had, you know, I would take breaks and then I would miss it and I would go back. So I might, I might just miss it and I might go back. You weren't like running the stage team anymore or any of that. No, like I'd slowly started giving things away. Like, I think at that point I was still on the roster for like the worship leading, well, the worship team. Um, and then I was just like declining. So I just wasn't, wasn't going, but hadn't, hadn't said anything really. Yeah. Um, and then when I went back, a Mother's Day, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't miss this. Yeah, I'm done. I can go. So at that point, started trying to meet with Carl. He just wouldn't do it. So we got all the way to July. I had a cat that I had had for 16 years, and my cat died. And like, I knew, okay, Carl knows I had this cat, and he's, he's going to know that I'm sad about my cat dying. So he's not going to be as much of an asshole. So he's not going to meet with me. So I'll finally go on and just write this email and resign. So like officially, officially finally sent the email in July. I was like, okay, I'm leaving. He still wouldn't meet with me. The COO, who was my friend, who we had come up through the connect group together. She met with me. So we were kind of joking like, oh, it's my, my exit interview. She said, well, Carl told me how he feels about it. And I agree with him. We're not really taking it seriously. You'll be back. So it's fine. 
So, so that was their, that was their thought. That was their idea is that you're not going to find what you're looking for. We're doing better on race than any other church. You'll be back. That was their final word to me. Never. That was six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So the summer, the summer before the pandemic, I think they moved to a venue uptown to closer, closer to where I lived and in a more ethnic area. You know, the CEO, she sends me a text and she's like, oh, hey, we're in, we're in this new venue. And, you know, and I was just thinking like how, how happy you would be. Cause like, we're in basically like we're in this colored neighborhood without like, and you would love this. So if you want to, you know, if you want to come through, let me know. And I was like, yeah, I saw that. I don't like it. Um, and I will never darken Hillsong's door again. So like, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about me. All these years, like y'all still don't get it. You've always been performative. There's always been plenty of people of color in and around this place. That was never, that was never the issue. Jeez. Who do you feel like your target audience is? Who are you talking to? When you create content, who do you have in mind? Is it deconstructing people? Is it people still in that evangelical world? Like, who do you feel like you're appealing to? Honestly, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm baffled by all of this. Cause it all started. I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm going to do a, a podcast and the original working premise of my podcast was like, oh, I want to talk to to my friends uh, about me. Um, I want to, I want to just kind of see like, like what they think and how they feel, what they kind of see happening to me and like what, what they think about that. I started my podcast at the end of 2020 and like the next week, the whole Carl Lentz scandal happened. So like, oh, I was already there. Here's this girl from Hillsong. She knew Carl Lentz. And I wrote this, just wrote this blog post just about kind of Hillsong, New York and and whatever. And so even in writing that, and that was that was how most people found me. Like that, that just that just took off. And with like writing that, I was really, really trying hard to like thread this needle of here was my experience of Hillsong. Here's what I think is wrong with it, but also trying to hold, leave room for hope, um, for maybe things could get better. And also, you know, yes, yes, Carl Lentz is bad and what he did was bad. He is, he is a villain. He's also a victim. This, this system, it's not a good system. So just really trying to speak for people who had left, but also trying to not offend too much the people who were still there and to try to like say some things when you spend that much time in these spaces when you grow up in it when you've been there you know you're probably the same with Bethel like they they have their own language they have you know you know the ins and outs and you know what people get riled up about and you know (laughs) you speak the language yeah so let me let me use this language to say things but also say them in a way that I know people won't really be able to to argue about I think that's what I'm still doing, speaking to and for, because I am somebody who has left and, you know, being, being on the outside, but also like knowing the language and knowing how to get at people on the inside. And I know, I know, I know what I'm saying and I know what you'll hear. And so just, just knowing, just kind of knowing how to play those word games. Um, And so I'm not at this point, especially, I don't really have hope for evangelicalism um and like hillsong hillsong in particular i've definitely become more more kind of blunt 
you know, as time has gone on, it's be like, no, it's a cult. I think you don't have to agree with me. I think it's a cult. It's not good. Still leaving room for no, there are lots of good people in it, but the system, the system, the institution is is bad, you guys. Mm. And and it's not even just that it's bad, it's that you deserve better. And just kind of coming at it from that side, like I don't do I want Hillsong to burn? Yeah, sure. But not just like for the sake of it it burning. It's because everyone in there deserves better. And like, and if this building needs to not exist anymore so you can find something better, then that then that's what I want. Wow. But also realizing that if it did burn down tomorrow, because so many of these mindsets and things are so ingrained, it's not really going to help because all you're going to do is go to Bethel. All you're going to do is go to Elevation, Church, like whatever the next the next iteration of this, but it's still still the same toxicity. So if I can get you to just consider or think about, hey, let's let's think about tithing. Isn't this a fun little Bible fact? I'm not saying, you know, it's the only way to think about it, but here's another way to think about it. Just giving people opportunities to consider something from a different angle in the hopes that you'll keep considering different things and it will lead you at least out of this place. You don't have to go as far as me. You don't have to leave, you know, evangelicalism, but find something better. You just, you deserve better. Like that, that's, that's everybody deserves better. So when someone hears you say that, like, Hey, you deserve better. And let's say they're still in the system. They're still plugged into evangelicalism and well, not my church, not my pastor. Can you be more specific about what you're saying they deserve better about? There are levels that I think you can be involved and kind of be fine, right? If you are just a you're just coming on Sunday and you just enjoy the service and then you go out and you're live, you have a life, like you're living a whole life. You can probably be fine. But for the people who church is your life, you probably deserve better. And, and you won't even know that because you don't even realize how deeply entrenched you are until something changes. And so like, it's no, it's no accident that like the whole deconstruction movement just kind of boomed right during COVID. Cause like people just got out of that routine of being in church every Sunday, all day on a Sunday. And then you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. What is, what is all this free time? What is all this energy that I have? <laughs> Where did this come from? So many of us gave so much and so many people are still giving so much you know, in this trade-off for, okay, yeah, I know it's hard now. I know I don't love it, but I'm being tested. And this is all just temporary. And this is all for the greater good. I'm working for heaven. So I'm just really big on the idea that you don't have to not not believe in heaven, but what about the idea of heaven on earth, right? We're supposed to be supposed to be bringing that here. I just think you should enjoy your life. If, if your life is devoted to church, is, it, is that working for you? And, you know, be honest about the places where it's not. If you want to be there all day on a Sunday and you want to give all your money, okay, fine. But do you know where your money is going? You're there at 6 a.m. What time does your pastor get there? Where do you live? Where do they live? Why, why are your lives so different? People, well, no, no church is perfect. And here's, here's the things I don't like about my church, but I just accept it. Okay, but... Have you talked to your pastor about those things? No, why not? Oh, you're you're afraid? Huh, that's something. Or you're not afraid, but you can't even 
you don't even have access to your pastor huh that's something and so so like all these these little ways that like you just you deserve better and if you're afraid to ask for better okay but why if you're again you don't have access to ask for better okay but why you know just trying to trying to just give people the permission to ask for their agency right like so much of evangelicalism is about authority and giving authority over to other people like these things there's so many just feedback loops just built into evangelicalism like it's just really it's really hard to get out so I just have like so much, so much respect, so much admiration for people who do. So I'm like, it is, it is not easy. Like you have to get over so many hurdles. You have to talk yourself out of so many things. It is not easy. And so I get it. Like I understand why people stay stuck and stay entrenched. But I I really believe like these institutions, these are not, this was not God's design. It just wasn't. Like, it just can't be like, there's too much, there's too much bad happening for a good God to be at the back of it. And I get it that this is all a lot of us have ever known. And it's really hard to imagine a different world. So I'm not even asking you to imagine a different world. I'm just asking you to try to change the one you're in a little bit. And, you know, kind of, kind of, it's a little bit mean, because I'm like, I know that you can't, but I'm just gonna, you know, put just put this thorn in your side. And cause I, I'm convinced like everybody, everybody has a chink in their armor somewhere. Whatever it was for you is going to be different than it was for me, but there's something, there is something, there is an unrest there. That's like, this isn't, this isn't right. Or this isn't working. And we can go for years. We can go for decades, like pushing, pushing that stuff down. But at some point you're going to have to face it. All I know is what I know. Right. So all I can do is share my story, share my perspective, and it's not going to resonate with everyone, but it's going to resonate. Some part of it is going to resonate with someone. And maybe I'll just be, yeah, just, just that little, that little bit of irritation that grows and grows. It just, just helps, helps that chink become a little, a little bigger and just helps that little piece of the armor to fall off and just leaves, leaves you open for something else and to, 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 to make things better. And if that means that you get more involved and actually start making change in your church, try it nine times out of 10, it's not going to work. Or if that means that you just remove yourself from that and go in search of something else. Awesome. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just here to be a gentle irritant. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the reason I was so drawn to you was because you were irritating the things that I had like survived. And I'm like, Oh my God, yes, that's exactly true. That, I would not have known to say it like that, but that's going on. That is a problem. You know, like you just have such a great way of putting that into words and like identifying these things that are in the water that you just have gotten so used to. And yeah, I, I agree. You have to detangle and deprogram so much in order to walk away. And there's such a high cost to do it because it becomes your world, right? Like I was the person you're describing where, you know, you're just, you are so immersed. And you, when you're talking about levels, like, hey, people are just coming as a consumer, like they're probably fine. It's when yeah. you start getting closer to power and you start like having, you know, that be 
a big part of what you're even about, that's when it starts to actually become really costly and toxic. And I mean, so much of my experience just correlates to what you're describing in different contexts, you know, because different church, but I'm like, oh my God, we had similar problems, similar issues, similar challenges, similar toxic results, you know, like, oh, and you're talking, yeah. when you talk about like access, like you can't even access your pastor, right? Or if you do, you're afraid. Like, I mean, that's so real. Anyway, I could go off. I could just, yeah, that's so true. My God, there's so many things wrong with the system. Like, this is crazy. Is there a certain kind of backlash you tend to experience as a as a pattern from people who are listening to you? The worst interactions I've had have always been white men. I think closeted white men. I think there's just something about just a black woman speaking against these systems, just living her life the way she wants to, that just kind of enrages men who can't or who who won't, who haven't. Those have been like the meanest interactions. You know what? It's interesting that you say that. I feel like some of the worst and consistently some of the strongest, worst and most aggressive, like horrible comments I get from people are from white men. It's weird that you start noticing a pattern. Like I will share screenshots and I'm like, I could blur these people's faces out and their names. And it's like all these white dudes. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is so awkward. Like stop playing into this thing, this trope. It sounds so absurd and like a joke now because, you know, cishet white dudes are just like the worst, but they just continue to exhibit this behavior of like an incapability to listen, just so bigoted, so ignorant, so uninformed, so rude. That's been true in my experience as well. We have to enrage them because, you know, especially if they're still living by whatever standards or they're like trying to uphold these things. And we, right? of all people should we're supposed to be on the bottom and we're supposed to be behaving and fitting these standards and we're just out here like ah no actually ah, i finished with that i don't believe that uh i think you're wrong like they just <laughs> cannot handle yeah. it wow. like, you're you're out here living freer than me no <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's so true. Oh man, that's awful. What are some of the top things you would say to evangelicals who maybe don't know anything about your journey, haven't followed you yet, but are listening now? What are some things you would say to them like, hey, just so you know, here's some things I would like you to be aware of when it comes to the system you're a part of, the community that you've identified with, you know, like what were, what are some of the top things you would tell them? Oof. So just so you know, <laughs> in my opinion, like when I say evangelicalism, I mean evangelicalism and that does not necessarily mean christianity like to me they are very different things evangelicalism as a system i just find at its roots to be toxic if your idea of faith involves evangelism this idea that everybody has to believe what you believe that's toxic that's dangerous and it is a form of supremacy. I'm fine with Christianity. As long as you understand that it is your belief system. It's not better or worse. Well, sometimes it is worse. <laughs> a lot of times. If it works for you, great. But that doesn't mean it's going to work for me or for anyone else. If you are feeling persecuted, just step back and just, just think about it. Nobody is trying to stop you from believing what you believe. So many of the conflicts and the issues that we have are because your religion, your faith is trying to make 
other people join your religion, your faith, and to live according to your standards. You're convinced this is the way for everyone. Well, then you better know your shit because I know it. I know why you're wrong. And it's not on me to tell you why you're wrong because you know what? I'm not bothering you. I'm not coming to your door. I'm not inviting you to my church. If you come to my account on the internet, you came to my account and you are free to disagree with everything that I say and you are free to leave. This is not a religion. I'm not telling you you have to agree with me. So if you come over and I'm just really disturbing to you, go in peace. Again, evangelicalism taught me everything I know. Leaving is not easy. Somewhere in the world, there exists someone who just did it frivolously one day and just, you know, tossed it off. That's the person that so many of these pastors want everyone to believe that we all are. I have yet to meet that person. Most of us who are out here, and especially those of us who are kind of out front and who you're going to see talking about it, were people who were sold, sewed in and sold out. Like we were all about this. We ended up leaving not because we were superficial or because, you know, we just fell off the edge because we went deeper. We went, we went into it and we said, okay, I really, really, really want this to work. I'm trying to make it work. I've given my whole life to the, it has, it has to work and it's not working. So I've got to figure this out. So we went in and we're like, oh, that's why this isn't working because the seed of this thing, the seed of this is beautiful. But this thing that I've been a part of, this is something different. And it's like the the difference between apples and then there's like this, I can't remember the name of it, like the, there's this poison apple. There's like this fruit that looks like an apple, but it is it is toxic. And so like you can have this orchard full of them and you're like, no, no, it's an apple. It's an apple. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's harmful. It's harmful. So we can't keep arguing about whether or not it's an apple. We have to argue about is this is this healthy? Is this safe? And it's not. It's not for a lot of people. And if you are arguing, no, no, you need this, you need this, go deeper. And again, there's a chink in your armor. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. There is an issue that you haven't quite been able to make sense of yet. And you've put it aside and you said, no, this is just a test. This is the devil trying to trick me. Is it? I don't know. Just, just check it out. Even if it's to refute something, right? Like, no, Mike said this or, or Janice said this. And I don't, I don't think so. Check it out. Go, go look into it. And again, you don't have to come back to me and let me know. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'll post things and I'll say, Hey, look, here's what I think. I could be wrong. Check it out. Don't come back and tell me. <laughs> I don't care. I, I'm here again. It's not a church. You don't have to agree. Check it out for yourself. And if you're honest and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that because I'm afraid of what I'll find or what my pastor will say or whatever. Listen, my handle, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind. Like that's, that's where I took that from because so much of evangelicalism for me, I was like, no, I was handed a lot of fears. So now I'm all about reclaiming power, love and sound mind. So if following, if you're not following that thread because of fear, that says something. Go deeper and keep going. Don't come back. Yeah, it's just like almost awkward and painful how many of us who are out here speaking about these things have so much in common. 
We weren't the ones who were just frivolous and dropped off. We didn't just stop caring one day. We were the ones who were like in, you know, like we were the ones who like spent years of our lives and like so much of our passion and our skills and talents in doubling down and investing in this thing. And it's because of the access and proximity we had and the things we came across that made us have to ask these questions. And then we're out here like being heretics and throwing up all this toxic apple we've been eating our whole lives, <laughs> you know, I'm like getting so mad at the, anyway, who are these frivolous randos that just stopped caring one day? Like I've not met those people, all the people out here who are doing this work. Yeah. Are like the most genuine, the most sincere, the most authentic, the most responsible with the things that they believe and are participating in. It's crazy. The narrative out there, my gosh, it's like wild. Anyway, thank you, Janice, for sharing all that. Thank you for being here. I got to land this plane. But before we close this, I want to ask, like, how do people get a hold of you? What are the best ways for them to plug into your world, access your art, your work, your words? Like, tell them all the things. Yeah. So my phone number is <laughs> easiest way to find me. God has not given on Instagram. Um, from there, yeah, there's a link tree if you're interested. Great. Well, I'll provide the link tree link in the show notes below. That's like, I love it when people have link trees. It's so easy. You just click one thing and you can see everything. That's awesome. So I'll put that in the link, uh, the show notes. Everyone, thank you so much for being here and listening. Janice, thanks for being here. I'm honored that you were here and I just love the work you're doing and who you are. Thank you for being brave and standing up and saying no and like doing so much more in response to that to help the rest of the people wake up to things that you experience and witness firsthand. I think that's really just of you and noble and good and kind and thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and, and, and back at you all the time. <laughs> thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to dive deeper, check out MikeMayashiro.com.